Welcome to episode five of Defense Against the Dark Arts. Uh, today we're going to be talking about models, uh, mental framework. Like you think of a, a scientific theory um, and how you have different models of how things work. That's what you, what we're going to talk about and what we're going to use, you know, in terms of, you know, try to defend yourself against manipulation and, and not thinking wrong. The secret for thinking in terms of models is allowing yourself to not jump to a conclusion, to to allow yourself to exist in a state of not knowing. And, and that's the critical point, not jumping to conclusions, not knowing for certain what the answer is or, or what, what actually, you know, is true or not. Unless, you know, of course, unless you, you've seen something. But even then, there's ways of you know, fooling people, manipulating people, you know, magicians do it all the time. Just because you see something doesn't mean you saw exactly what happened, right? There's obviously ways of, of manipulating people, you know, that's intentional and you're going along with it, right? But modeling is, is isolating versions of, of a story. If some, or we'll, we'll use a story. Somebody tells you something, different perspectives, their truth. That's, that's bogus. There's, you know, one truth, right? But somebody might believe something that doesn't make it true and it's not their truth it's their misconception if they're if it's not true and they believe something that's not true that's not their truth that is a misconception and they are wrong and their truth is not more valid than you know the actual truth <laughs> they are wrong i don't know why this narrative keeps getting pushed in our society today about, oh, my truth, my truth is just as important as your truth. Well, no, not if your truth is wrong. If my truth is wrong, then it's wrong. Somebody else's truth, does it doesn't matter who owns it or who claims it. You know, it's an objective truth, objective reality, subjective truths. Okay, we have a, uh, we have a tendency to use heuristics. I'm not going to keep defining heuristics every time I, I mention it, but it's, you know, we it, essentially we jump to conclusions. Um, and, and these conclusions, there's nothing that, that even steers these conclusions towards being true or accurate. So when you jump to a conclusion, those conclusions can very easily and most likely be wrong. But this is how we operate. Our, our minds operate using heuristics. So... Which, which can be fine in, in everyday life because a lot of times your assumptions might be close enough. They might be, you know, you know, if nobody's trying to fool you. And this is this people, manipulators know that how our minds work. They know that we jump to conclusions quickly because we don't want to analyze every bit of new information that's coming in. So that's something to watch out for, but we, we can't escape it. We can't analyze every bit of data that's coming in, you know, comprehensively. So we have to, in order to function in life, we have to use heuristics. We have to just assume, you know, the floor is solid. Somebody didn't cut a hole under the carpet and I'm not going to fall through it. Like that's, that's a level of insanity, right? But that may be true. Maybe somebody did cut a hole on the floor and we are going to fall through it, right? <laughs> Maybe somebody's trying to trap you. You don't know, but you know, we can't live our life like that. You have to assume, you know, because of time. We don't have the time to, you know, analyze every little thing, every little, there's, it's, it's an infinite variety of, you know, what ifs or, or other things. So heuristics work pretty good at just getting us through life. 
but it's not, it's not infallible. It's, it's easy to be, uh, to misdirect somebody when they're using heuristics. So knowing we use, knowing we use heuristics is, uh, is, is a pretty good way of defending yourself against people manipulating you using, but I mean, it's not really, I mean, just being aware of it is critical. You need to know that we do use assumptions that most likely are wrong or can easily be duped when we make assumptions and our assumptions are fallible. They are not fact. So many people, including myself, I'm sure I do it all the time too. You know, you make assumptions about things, but you can't cling to your assumptions and assume your assumptions are, you know, the truth. This is what happened because I assumed it. No, your assumptions are just random guesses based on, you know, what you perceive as the evidence at the time. So a way to think, to get around this is to think in, in terms of models. So you think, well, somebody tells you a story. So you think, okay, I'm hearing their version of the story. It's a model of, of what they think or what they're telling you. Maybe not even what they think, cause it could be lying. So they're giving you a model of what this, of a scenario. Somebody else might give you a different model. And you know, I'm not, when I talk about models, I'm not talking about models of cars or, or versions of, of computer programs. Um, you know, a, a model as in a possible explanation of something like I started saying earlier about like scientific theories, you know, there's the different models when we get into theoretical, uh, physics or whatever, you have different models and that's how we, we sort of, we, we advance. Somebody comes up with a model and they know it's a model and they know it's not, you know, true. It's, it's a guess. And then we look for evidence to see if, if we can make that model collapse. And if we could make that model fail, then we know that model's not true. We don't look for evidence to support the model because if you're just looking for evidence to support it, just because using a logic, if you find something that, that they can support it, it doesn't mean that it's true. You need to find something that can prove it wrong. If you could prove it wrong, then you know it's not true, right? But you can have something can may might look true, right? Um, like like think of it in terms of a, a magician's trick. You know, they saw the the woman in half. Well, you look at that. If you look for evidence to make it look true, well, look, they they, they split the box in half, and her head was at one side, and her feet were on the other. There's evidence for their, her them cutting her in half. Therefore, she was cut in half. We all know that's bogus. We all know that's not true. So when you're looking for evidence to prove something true, it doesn't make it true. So yeah, there's evidence that that woman was cut in half. It was, it was an illusion and it's not really her feet. We are duped just like there's evidence of, uh, the, so if you, if you look for evidence, going back to the woman, if you look for evidence of her being not cut in half, if you go and you open up the box and you look inside and you see she's curled up in a ball and her feet and her head and everything are one box and it's fake feet or somebody else's feet in the other box, then there's evidence that it was false. So now you know, cause you've, you've proven it false. She was not cut in half. There's evidence proving that that hypothesis was wrong. And that's how we function. You don't try to prove something by looking for evidence for it, you try to disprove it by finding evidence against it. It seems like kind of a negative thing, but it's like, <laughs> we had some inconsistent light, so I had to adjust it. Uh, what was I talking about? The earth, the sun? Yeah, I mean, if you look for evidence for something to be true, like in the old days, they, they, they said the, the sun obviously goes around the earth, right? Because the earth is not moving, 
doesn't feel like it's moving. And we could see the sun rise in the east and we could see it set in the west. So we know the sun rises and it goes across the sky and it sets. The trees aren't moving. The buildings aren't moving. So obviously the sun's going around the earth. We found evidence that the sun goes around the earth. Well, that's obviously bogus. We know it's not true. Now, with you know, we know the earth spins and it goes around the sun. But if we were just looking for trying to prove that the, the sun goes around the earth, I mean, just observational, you look, yeah, but you're wrong. You're duped. We got to try to find evidence against that. And that's when you start looking for like shadows, you know, you stick a stick in the ground and you can see, oh, you know, the earth's round of the earth's round. And then, and then you start looking at the stars in the background. You're like, well, how come the stars are moving? And, the, and then you start measuring all the, the other, the, the, the planets that are moving and you start realizing, well, hold on a sec. Maybe, maybe just maybe the earth is spinning. That would, that would explain why the, the stars are going around the sky like that instead of, you know, all the, the entire universe rotating around the earth. Maybe the earth is just spinning, right? And maybe we're going around the sun and that would help explain the orbits of Venus and, and Jupiter and, and Mars. And yeah, that's right, right? So you, you try to find evidence to prove something wrong, your, your hypothesis. If you could prove your hypothesis is wrong, then you're done. You can move on or, or create another hypothesis. So... Models are uh, a tentative assumption, um, like a hypothesis, uh, that we know may not be true. So the, somebody tells you a story, uh, it might be true. It might not be true, but we can isolate it as, and put it in a little box, put it in your mind and say, there's model, that's a model, right? Uh, so to make sure we're all on the same page, let's, uh, let's define model, right? A model is a tentative assumption that we know may not be true. So a tentative, let's define tentative. I'm sure most of us know what it means, but maybe there's some kids watching this. I hope not. Um, so a tentative is not fully worked out or agreed on. So tentative is not fully worked out or agreed on. It's provisional. It's temporary. So we're not confident. We're not certain. That's tentative. It's just something that's tentative. So, and that's what models are. And that's what, when somebody tells you a story, or even if you're thinking about something, you could put it in a little box in your mind. And that is a model, a version. Now you can come up with multiple, multiple models and start comparing them. Right. But going back to not being confident, uh, yeah, we're not certain we're not confident, but that's different than confidence. Like, um, you don't want to be falsely confident uh, or jump to conclusions. That's the whole point of this whole thing. Have confidence to accept that you are not certain about things that you are not certain about. If you don't know, you don't know. Have the confidence to not know. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole thing, right? You want to know, you want to explore, you want to find out, but don't jump to conclusions because you're jumping to conclusions doesn't make you know. It just makes you an idiot that's jumping to conclusions and you very easily and most probably are wrong. So jumping to a conclusion doesn't make you right, doesn't make you know. It just means you've jumped to a conclusion. Wanting to know and knowing are two different things. And and this is this reminds me of a story. Um, a lot of, I know we've all done it. I mean, I've done it, you know, I probably still do it. I don't know. I try not to, but me being aware of it helps you from 
to not do it. If you don't, if you don't even think about it, and if you're an autopilot, then obviously you're going to be doing it all the time. But young, uh, this is this is a general observation from when I was younger, and still now observing people who are younger. Um, it seems to be not so much children, uh, but late teens and pretty much right through the twenties. Um, that demographic really falls victim to not wanting to look stupid. I don't know if it's because they're tired of when they were kids to everybody else knowing more than them and telling them stuff. I mean, maybe, you know, I'm sure I was like that too, but, but that demographic really seems to fall victim to jumping to conclusions, to assert things they don't know and, and, uh, and defend it, uh, you know, and, and, and not listen. You know, you always hear parents complaining about, you know, that the teens not listening, you know, they know, you know, but that seems to be, I want it's part of the mental development. It's just, I'm not sure. I don't want to analyze that too much, but the, it reminds me of this barbecue I was at. Um, and, uh, there's this young guy, he was, uh, smoking, he had this barbecue pit going with charcoal and he was smoking, uh, had in there sort of a smoker going with, uh, wood and, uh, it was blowing everywhere. And, you know, I was like whoosh, waving the smoke, man, I'm, you know, think you can uh, dial that back and breathing, uh, tons of benzene and, you know, formaldehyde or whatever. I can't remember how I said, but it was like, you know, joking about the, and, uh, you know, cause it's, it's, it's common knowledge. The, the, so before I go too far, maybe you want to pause the video and, and Google, uh, charcoal barbecues, uh, wood smoke, benzene and formaldehyde. Uh, so that you're on the same page as me because I had, you know, read it, seen it, you know, assumed it was common knowledge, heard it on the radio, you know, whatever, like, uh, the, the, there's benzene and formaldehyde and, and stuff coming up in the, in the, and you know, wood charcoal, charcoal and wood barbecues and smokers and stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe I don't care. Like I still enjoy barbecues. You know, I, I love barbecues. I still barbecue all the time. And, uh, but, uh, anyway, so this is apparently for, for this guy, it wasn't, it wasn't common knowledge. And, uh, anyway, so, uh, so this guy, he's, uh, hold on. So this guy, he, he, uh, he's, he's, I don't want to give too much information about, but he's a recent firefighter. He's young and, uh, he's an expert. <laughs> so he's like, no, there's no benzene given off by charcoal fires. And I'm like, uh, yeah, there is. And he's, he's like, uh, starts good getting all defensive and emotional. Like who am I to challenge him? He's a firefighter. And then he starts, uh, saying, no, there's, there's no hydrocarbons in, in charcoal barbecues or, or wood smokers. So I'm like, no, no hydrocarbons. So he was too clueless to be embarrassed by a statement. Now think this guy is a university graduate. Now I don't think he graduated in chemistry or, you know, I think it was political science or something. I don't know what he took, but, but what's worse here is his uncle jump pipes in. I don't know if it's because he was getting a little defensive and emotional about it, but his his clueless idiot uncle jumps in and and and, and says, "There's no charcoal or or there's no benzene 
or charcoal or in charcoal or, or wood fires, you know, and he, and then he's like throwing his thumb at me. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about kind of stuff. But like, I mean, it's a the difference between joking and these guys are sort of like getting emotional and sort of attacking me just for like, really like the bad guys. Anyway. So, I mean, a quick Google at the time would have, would have proved my point and, you know, like shut these guys up. But, uh, but that's not the point. So this, the, the young guy didn't have an experience or doesn't have enough experience. And so he's trying to maybe compensate for that by pretending that he knows stuff that he doesn't know and arguing it emotionally. I'm not sure, but, but, uh, the old uncle, the babbling idiot, I mean, other than his genetics, the things that these two guys share are, uh, you know, zero critical thinking skills. I mean, <laughs> You know, this guy, the young guy argues that he, he was arguing that he was an expert, right? And that I should believe what he says, right? Regardless of what I know, regardless of anything I've read or anything I've seen, he's an expert, right? So because he's an expert, right, he's arguing that his opinion is evidence for his argument. And that that's, that's a logical fallacy. It's called appeal to authority in which somebody says, because I'm an expert, my my opinion is evidence for my point. Well, your opinion is an opinion. It's not evidence. And this is proven by, you can stop this video and Google, is there benzene or formaldehyde in charcoal and wood barbecues? So we all can agree that I'm right by saying that and he was wrong. So we can saddle that and move on. <laughs> so his, his expert opinion was wrong. So, I mean, using, calling yourself an expert and using that as an argument, that's another, that's another problem. So, so what's the moral of the story here? The, the young guy, what did he do wrong? Well, he reeked of overconfidence. Now, self-confidence and overconfidence are two different things. Like being confident and, and calling yourself an expert (laughs) and being overconfident when you're wrong. I mean... So that's what he did. So he's overconfident. He jumped to a conclusion because nowhere in any literature does it say there is no benzene or formaldehyde in in charcoal uh, barbecues and uh, and wood smoke. So there, there's no nowhere did it say that. So he wasn't arguing, uh, you know, a uh, scientific hypothesis or you know some evidence is pointing to that way. There's no debate. There is benzene and there's formaldehyde in it. Like it's a, it's no debate. That's what it is. He's debating it based on a random assumption. So he jumped to a conclusion opposite to what I said for whatever reason. Now we could talk about that in a second. So he he argued. So so he false confidence. He jumped to a conclusion. He argued emotionally. So he allowed his emotions to get involved. You know, despite despite me saying there's tons of evidence proving him wrong, didn't matter. He's an expert. His opinion means that that's what it is. Like, this is ludicrous. I mean, it's dangerous thinking to be, that style of thinking is so dangerous. But, you know, did after this, we didn't Google it. I didn't care, right? I, I just, you know, sloughed it off, made a joke, and went back to my beer and, you know, let these guys go. But, I mean, it would have taken two seconds to pull up my phone and Google it and show them. But I was like, whatever, right? So did he learn anything? No. Did his idiot uncle learn anything? No. But uh, being a, a hazardous materials expert, 
you know, maybe one day he's going to come across literature if he reads and he will see that there is indeed benzene and formaldehyde and charcoal and wood smoke. And he might think back and be a little bit embarrassed. And then maybe he might learn something about, you know, jumping to conclusions, being overconfident, you know, arguing emotionally. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, there's a lot of people like his idiot uncle, who's a senior now, who still has that same mentality about, you know, he was starting to get emotional and jump, he obviously jumped to conclusions and, you know, he was confident too that they're, you know, in his ignorance. So I'm not hopeful that this young guy will learn and, and, you know, be a rational thinker as he gets old because of his idiot uncle. And, uh, yeah, so I think people, you would, you'd assume people do start learning stuff, but they don't like that guy, the, the uncle still, I mean, has the exact same lack of critical thinking. And it's, it's pretty spooky because, you know, these guys both vote. But uh, I think the uncle just desperately wanted me to be wrong about something because, you know, I've known him for years and I'm a, I'm a free thinking, nonpartisan person. Like I've, I don't want to pin myself to any kind of part of the political spectrum because a rational person doesn't, you know, pin themselves to a part of a political spectrum. They, they take, you know, specific things. Do you agree with this or do you not agree with this? Do you, you know, why do you agree with this? Why do you not agree with that? And you don't fit yourself into a partisan way of thinking. You think you're, you know, based on your values. And a lot of times, you know, the, the people who are partisans or who support the tribe, you know, they're really lazy thinkers. And anyways, so I'm a free thinker. I'm nonpartisan. I agree with certain things on different parts of the spectrum, depending on what it is. And this guy is a, uh, he's a closed minded leftist. Now I'm not saying all leftists are closed minded and, but this guy obviously is. And I don't know if we say he's brainwashed, but I don't think he's read anything outside of what he wants to believe um, politically. Maybe he has, I don't know, but I don't have a painting of Chairman Mao on my wall. So from his perspective, I am a far right nut. So <laughs> any attempt in his mind to, you know, to to justify his internal dissonance about anything, any irrefutable facts that I've said in the past, you know, over the years, you know, he desperately wants them to be wrong. And maybe he couldn't prove them wrong at the time because they're not wrong. And so when an opportunity like this arises, he wants me to be wrong, even though I wasn't. Now I'm reading a lot into this. Maybe not. Maybe he's just, well, I can't, under, I can't you got to try to justify or not just try to explain to you. So, you know, we don't have to, but why, why would he do that? Why would he jump on board with this other guy who is wrong making assumptions? Oh, my battery's going dead here. So why would he, like, I don't know, that's beyond the scope of this video, I guess. But, uh, yeah, like I said, this, the scary thing is, is these two idiots vote. <laughs> so what can you and I learn from their, from their stupidity? Well, I don't know if we call it stupidity. Yeah, it is stupidity because, I mean, a rational person who slows down and thinks about these things wouldn't be jumping to conclusions and wouldn't allow themselves to get emotional it might be a lack of confidence. I don't know, but we need to have the confidence to accept that our assumptions might be wrong. 
Now I know there, I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I used to hang out, uh, with some of these, uh, these astrophysics nerds and, uh, you know, they're all doctors and stuff. And these guys generally would accept that they were wrong or that they didn't know things. I mean, not, not all the times. Some of them were, you know, we get into arguments about stuff and they're like, well, this is this. Well, no, it's not. And I mean, you know, I took uh, a course at an uh, astronomy at, uh, at a university there. And, and anyways, the stuff that we learned back then has, you know, a lot of the stuff has been changed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, there's planets now, you know, there's, 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 Back then, they're like, well, no, there's nothing much more we can learn about astronomy. Like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, there's a lot of things that were, you know, up for grabs back then that we sort of, you know, pinned down a lot more now than we did back then. But generally speaking, I don't want to say science types are open-minded because there's a lot of guys, women, people that I've talked to that are very close-minded who are, are in, in sciences, especially the social sciences, those are like, if you want to go to be brainwashed, to be closed minded, you know, go into the social sciences, those, I mean, took psychology at uh, at a psychology course. And that guy was the worst. I mean, he was just like, so closed minded. Anyways. uh, Yeah. So the hard science people tend to be, now I'm not saying, yeah, generally, I mean, they're generally more open-minded, more, I don't know, more open-minded, but, uh, and, and accepting that, you know, they could be wrong. People on the street, I think are a lot like the social sciences types. I mean, there are people who obviously, I find artists, musicians, uh, some of them tend to be more open-minded. Some of them tend to be very close-minded. Some of them tend to be, they, they, cla- they grasp, they jump to a, a some, some of them are really stubborn, close-minded people too. It's just like, it's a, it's a broad section, but I find compared to just my, my assessment over the years, and I've talked to a lot of musicians, but generally I find there are, it's a mixed bag, but there are more musicians who are open-minded than the general population. And, but there are a lot of musicians who are very close-minded and jump to conclusions and then they hold and defend those, those, their assumptions, like it's fact, like, and like, you know, across the board, I guess, but Again, uh, so morals of the story here, um, be, beware of, of experts, beware of, of someone claiming, um, that they're an expert on something, especially if they're using that as an argument. Um, you know, that's the, it's the apex of being a dumbass. you know, spe- you know, when they're wrong, <laughs> I'm an expert and you know, I actually have, this is, I've had that, you know, in, in conversations with people in the past, you know, several people and they're like, well, I'm an expert in this. So therefore I know. And it's, it's embarrassing for them because they're like, you know, I work in like this one guy we we're talking about, uh, they had these rubber, these rubber, the train tracks they had these rubber crossing mats in between the rails that looked like that diamond, uh, pattern metal. But I was riding my bike and I stopped and I was looking at that stuff cause it's soft. So I went, stuck my thumb in it and it's sure enough, it's rubber. So I was talking to this guy afterwards who works in construction and I'm like, man, you know, there's this rubber, they had the rubber in the train tracks, you know, over on you know, whatever. And it's like, no, that's checker plate. And I'm like, no, it's no man. It's rubber. And his wife was like, he works in construction. He knows you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I cut off my bike and I stuck my thumb in it. You know, didn't matter. <laughs> you know, again, it's just, so this happens in a lot of, a lot of people. 
and because they assume, I mean, they're basing it on nothing, especially the, the idiot wife who happens to be a dentist. She, uh, you know, she was arguing with me over something that she had no clue about, you know, and, uh, you know, I was there, I stuck my thumb in it. I know it's, I know it's rubber. This guy was arguing because he didn't believe it because he works in construction. So he's an expert. Therefore his opinion matters more than reality. Right. So this happens all over the place. You, you get these patterns over and over again. So, uh, be wary of, of people that, uh, that, that claim to be expert. And what we can do is if we are experts in a field, you know, a true expert knows that there's a lot more in their field that they don't know, you know. If, if you don't believe that, then you are not an expert. <laughs> you know, you're just an idiot. So there's there's always more to learn in every field. And uh, an expert, a true expert would be, yeah, there's a lot more to know. And, and I'm, I'm open to new information, especially the weird stuff that's anomalous. It doesn't make sense. That's, that's your attention should be drawn to that because it's out of the norm. It's out of the expected. This is something you didn't expect. So it's a learning opportunity. Well, let's examine it. Let's see why it's so bizarre. Why is it the way it is? This is, you know, this is the mentality we should be taking instead of, you know, sloughing off or just assuming it does, it's not there. And you see this in science as well, but I mean, anyways, I don't know. People are just lazy, I guess. Um, so don't be, don't be a lazy autopilot thinker. Um, think in manual control, like don't just allow your emotions, your assumptions, uh, and, and overconfidence and your, your expertise to, you know, dismiss things that you don't know. So we need to be, take manual control of our thinking. Don't allow our emotions. When you, when you feel yourself getting emotional, take a step back and release your, your inner Spock, you know, not knowing something doesn't make you stupid. You don't need to get emotional and angry about something because you don't know something, especially if you're, you consider yourself an expert in the field, especially if you're an expert in the field and somebody's telling you something about your field that you don't know of all the people, you should be the most interested in, in, in analyzing this and trying to find out because if you're an expert, you need to know all things about your field or you'd want it, you expect. And if you don't, then you're not an expert in your field. So it doesn't make you stupid to not know something, even if it's in your own field. I mean, everybody you meet knows something you don't know. Everybody else, and there's there's billions of people on the planet, so there are billions of things that you don't know. There's billions of things I don't know. I mean, you think a thousand years from now, if our society is still standing, the shit that those people will know will blow us away in any field. So all fields have things to learn. And uh, so if someone gives you new information, that you don't know, or you, you know, that you didn't know, you know, and you don't automatically believe them. Even you might think, Hmm, that that smells like, you know, BS. Well, don't think that it is put it in in, in a model and say, well, that's their, that's their story. This is all the information that they're giving me. That's one model. Now you can question them and, and seek evidence and don't cling to, you know, your unfounded assumptions to the opposite. Right. So maybe what they're telling you is true. Maybe, maybe there is benzene and formaldehyde in wood smoke. Just maybe. Holy shit. If we took our phones and Googled it instead of getting all emotional. Right. If, you know, we allow our minds to compartmentalize information or stories we hear and say, okay, that's a model. 
I'm not going to say that this model's true. I'm not going to say this model's false. I'm going to say it's a model. It might be true. It might be false, but I'm going to keep it as a model until I know more either way. So that's a, a distinct model. This person says that there's benzene and formaldehyde in wood smoke. I'm not going to say that there's not. I'm going to put it as a model that this person says that. Maybe there is. So what do you do if somebody says that? You you uh, you seek evidence. A quick Google would have been probably sufficient. But So you seek evidence. So it might be something where you can't just Google it really quick. But So you, you can hold it in your mind as this undetermined state of not true, not false, unknown. Allow your mind to hold on to something that's unknown. And it might be unknown for a while. It might be unknown the rest of your life. It might be unknown only for a week. Maybe you're going to examine something. It might take 10 years. It might take two days. It might be two seconds. But allow your mind to hold on to something and it's unknown. And if somebody asks you, do you know? I don't know. This, there's, there's this story, there's this model, model A says this, model B says that, and model C says this. I don't know which one's the real model yet, you know, and nobody does. You know, this person claims that, but they could just be, you know, jumping to conclusions. They're not giving me any evidence beyond what I know to prove that, or maybe they are giving me evidence, you know, whatever. Now, I don't want to keep harping on these two guys, you know, and calling them ignorant rubes. Um, but there are, there are good examples for how not to think and how not to, uh, you know, be fools because you're not going to get, <laughs> you know, do you want to be wrong? Do you, you know, is that something and you want to claim it loudly to the world? You know, I could be wrong. I mean, we're all could be wrong. I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about in this video could be total bullshit. You know, maybe it is, maybe it's not, <laughs> you know, I'm sure. Well, if you think if whatever we know now people in the future are going to look back and say, oh, look how little they knew. Well, okay. So we know that. And the people 500 years from now are going to be looked back on from people a thousand years in the future. And so the people in the future who know way more than we do 500 years from now are not going to know as much as the people a thousand years in the future, you know, if our society keeps advancing the way it is. And so they're going to be looked back on. So that's just something you have to accept. We know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. We're learning, we're trying to, you know, get as much information as we can and try to learn as much as we can, but we don't know everything and people in the future are going to laugh at what little we know now. In fact, you look back at what you didn't know, you look back on yourself, say 10 years ago, depending how old you are, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you might laugh. I mean, people look back at the different decades and laugh at their hairs and the music they listen to or whatever. And they're like, oh, I was such an idiot. I was such an idiot. Well, yeah, we all are idiots. We're getting better. That's a good thing. If you weren't an idiot, if you don't look back and say, man, I was such an idiot, then you didn't advance. So that means you're still an idiot. <laughs> so that is a good thing. When you look back at yourself and see that you were an idiot, then that's, that means you're advancing. So that, that's a good sign. So take that as, uh, uh as a, uh, a shot of, for, for your pride that you were an idiot compared to what you are now, because that means you're better. Right. So, so this guy, this, this, this guy, go back to this guy. I don't know. I'm not gonna let it go for a second here, but he, I'm trying to think here. Like he, Maybe he loved barbecue so much. Like, why would he jump to the opposite conclusion about what I said about there being benzene? You know, what, 
rationale in his mind would he have to, you know, normally if you're standing there, you're barbecuing and somebody says, hey man, you know, whatever. I, I mean, it was a joke really about just, you know, they're so smoky, ah, breathing benzene and formaldehyde or whatever. So you think, you know, you, more than likely, like a thoughts part, because it's sort of, you know, whatever, laugh and, you know, have a swig, you know, suck in some smoke or whatever for a joke. But he, uh, he got emotional and defensive about it. So why would he do that? Why would he get emotional and defensive about there being benzene and formaldehyde and smoke, especially since he's a firefighter? Well, maybe he didn't like me telling him something that he didn't know because he's an expert. <laughs> I don't know. It's embarrassing for him if that's the case, you know, he, like we went already went over the the whole expert thing. So, I mean, an expert wants new information. They want as much information as they can get. But maybe he uh, he just enjoyed barbecue so much that he he didn't want to believe that barbecues could be harmful. And you know, so if that's the case, then that is even worse, right? Because he wanted to believe something. So just because you want to believe something doesn't make it true, right? Just because you want to believe it. You know, I, I want to believe that barbecue smoke doesn't have benzene and formaldehyde. So therefore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe that and it's going to be true. Well, no, man. <laughs> Whether you believe it or not, there's still benzene and formaldehyde in, in, in the smoke. You wanting to believe it doesn't change reality. There's objective reality and that, that this is going back to the subjective reality, you know, my truth, maybe his truth and his truth, there is no benzene or formaldehyde in smoke. Well, no, in his delusion, there's no formaldehyde or benzene in, in, in the smoke, but in objective measurable reality where you can actually measure what's in the stinking smoke, it, there's formaldehyde and benzene. So wanting to believe it, you know, doesn't make it true. And, and so arguing something because that's something you want to believe. Now I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying this, I'm just guessing here on his motivations. I don't know what his motivations were. I can't see in his head, but that kind of, you know, it's a plausible model for why he would be saying that. But so if, if he wanted to believe that there was no benzene in the smoke, and that's why he was arguing that there was no benzene in, in the smoke, you know, that not only doesn't make it true, but that's denying reality. That's delusional. It's, it's like pretending cigarettes don't cause cancer so you can enjoy them. <sighs> Ooh, I really enjoy these cigarettes. They don't cause cancer. They just say that. Well, no, that's insane. That's delusional. That is, that is another level of, holy shit, don't do that. <laughs> you know, don't deny reality because it's something that you don't want to believe, you know, take in nature and what it is, all the information that it's giving us so that we can function and deal with it in a, in a, in a truthful way, you know. <laughs> You know, believing, living in the jungle and not believing that there's a tiger that's going to kill you doesn't mean there isn't a tiger that's going to kill you. I mean, there's the guys that say, yeah, there's tigers. They're going to kill us. We got to be careful. You know what I mean? There's certain things we got to do to evade the tigers. And there's the idiots that are like, ah, I don't want to believe there's tigers. So I'm just, you know, I know they're not consciously saying that, but that's, that is how their brain's working because they're an autopilot. So they're allowing these processes to happen. So, I mean, it's not, it's not mentally or physically healthy to, uh, to do that, you know, to believe something because you want to believe it. That's, that's not healthy. You need to believe objective reality, whatever nature is giving us and we can, you know, test it and measure it. That's what it is, whether you want to believe it or not. I mean, 
And anybody who doesn't believe, you know, what, you know, objective reality is showing us, you know, you need to grow a pair and, and accept reality. Now, you, you need to also keep things as going back to models. We need to, like, I keep thinking of the earth, the sun going around the earth and the earth or the earth going around the sun. Like it took generations for us to finally, you know, come up with measuring things to realize that. So even things that we, those guys were certain that the sun went around the earth, those people, those men and women and children, they were certain the, the sun went around the earth. Now, I guess you could argue frames of reference according to this frame of reference, thinking of Einstein, you know, everything's a frame of reference, you know, that according to the earth's frame of reference, the sun does go around the earth. But objectively, if you go from the frame of reference of, you know, outside of the, the solar system, you know, the earth is going around the sun. But you need to keep models. So everything that we think even today as fact may not be so. I mean, a couple hundred years from now, they're going to come up and say, you know, who knows what, all kinds of stuff. You can, we've proven that you can go faster than the speed of light. You know, all kinds of things that we say are, you know, immutable truths. You know, the, the science will collapse if, it, if, it, if this is not true. Well, chances are our science is going to collapse. Chances are, you know, the stuff we're going to learn, you know, it's, it, there's going to be modifications. I mean, it's obviously not complete now. So we have to accept that these models aren't fact. These models hold up to certain scrutiny, but just, you can't, you can prove it right, but that doesn't mean it is right. We need to be able to prove it wrong. And we just haven't found ways to prove them wrong yet. And, and then it's these little chinks in the armor where we can find, oh, there's a crack. Let's, and then that gives, you know, blows up and we find all kinds of new information. We need to keep a model. We need to understand that models of, you know, information that we think might be fact may not be. We need to have the confidence to accept that, you know, as far as we know, this is the case. This is the most probable case. So it works for our purposes or maybe it doesn't work for our purposes, whatever, but that's the way to, that's the way to go is to think in terms of models and models aren't hammered down. They're not conclusive. So, uh, you know, a model is, is, a it's a simply, it's a version of something that we can let our minds explore and create other possible models, you know, with known facts, but known facts, you know, we got to ask ourselves how certain we are of these, these facts. And that, and that's the thing it's, we can be pretty certain. I think in terms of, you know, percentage wise, you could be fairly certain, you know, but I don't think we ever be a hundred percent certain about anything. I mean, you'd be 90% certain, 95% certain, you know, but I don't think it's safe to ever be 100% certain about anything ever. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Allow your mind to not be certain about things. You can be pretty sure you can, you know, doesn't mean you're not confident about things that you know and how things are going to behave, but you know, it's not a hundred percent, you know, so allow your mind to, to think in models, resist the urge to jump to conclusions. Don't cling to assumptions, you know, uh, realize your mind is on autopilot, uh, when your mind is on autopilot, which, you know, unless you're consciously realize when your mind is on autopilot, it recklessly jumps to conclusions you know, to move quickly and, and, and these conclusions can and most likely are wrong or not a hundred percent. Right. So, 
you know, put your mind in manual control. And you could do that simply by realizing that your mind jumps to conclusions and you realize that your conclusions and assumptions aren't 100% certain. So simply by doing that, and when somebody's telling you something, you know, take a step back, right? And put your mind in manual control. And, and it's super easy. Our minds love being in manual control. Consume a little bit more energy perhaps, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's the same as, you know, the emotional thinking. You know, when, when you're an autopilot, your brain clicks into, you know, emotional. Somebody says something you don't agree with or you don't believe, you know, you, you start getting emotional, right? Not to say the emotions are wrong. Uh, there's no wrong emotions. I mean, sometimes people say things you know are wrong and, and they're doing it to try to provoke you, which might make you upset or angry. And then, you know, being upset and angry about certain things is a valid response. But don't allow your emotions to control your thinking. You know, uh, take a step back. You know, put your mind in manual control and, and, you know, release your inner Spock. Try to, you know, think like Spock, behave like Spock. You know, try to analyze things coldly, calmly, and collectively. You know, if you start getting emotional, take a deep breath and blow it out. You know, and then just pull your face out of the water and flick it to manual control. You know, it's like uh, when, you, uh, when, you, when you put your mind in, uh, when you put your mind in manual control, it's like uh, pulling your face out of a out of a, a bucket of when you're bobbing for apples. Like pulling your face out of the water, and you know uh, you can finally take a breath, and you can look at the bucket now, and all the emotions and all that crap are all still in the bucket, and you can just analyze things by looking at it and, and thinking, okay, well, does that make sense? What evidence is there for that? You know, I want to believe this. I know I want to believe that, so that's biasing me towards that. Doesn't mean it's not true. Doesn't mean it is true. But, you know, realize you have that bias towards that thing because for whatever reason you want to believe that, but look at the evidence. Does the evidence point that way? Or, is, or you know, is there manipulation? Are they trying to, you know, steer you? You look at all these different things. And, and anyways, the, the reason why you do this, right, is, is you, your brain can be, you, your thinking can be uh, voracious. Is that the word? Uh, veracity? Let me, let's look up, uh, let's look up the voracious. Okay, uh, veracity comes from Latin verax, which means true. Verax, I don't know how you pronounce that. Sounds right. Uh, conforms with truth or fact. Accuracy. That's the whole point here. Now, if you don't want to conform to the truth, the objective truth, or facts, or you don't want to be accurate, well, then you can go off on all these crazy, you know, irrational uh, unreasonable, emotional, your truth type crap. And, you know, and that's to your detriment, right? And, uh, you're going to be easily manipulated by uh, other people. Yeah. So whenever you hear a politician speak, you don't know, say to yourself, well, that there's one model that's, that's, you can capsulate what they're saying, put it in a box and that's, you know, that's a model. And, and if, if, you know, what he's saying, maybe the exact opposite is true. So there's another, there's, so if he, what he says is model A, and then maybe you could say, well, not A, I don't know if people here are into Boolean logic at all, but not means the opposite of, so, you know, if you have not one, not one is zero in, in, you know, Boolean logic. So not A is the opposite of A. So whatever, everything he says, the opposite of that is, uh, might be the truth. And, uh, that's, that's a good way to automatically think if you, if you want to be 
semi-thinking and semi-lazy. You could say, okay, the the prime minister is saying this or the president saying that or whatever country you're in. And uh, so I'm going to say, well, I'm say, what if, so that's, that's one model. What they're saying is one model. It could be true. Maybe it's not. And so a quick reflex would be, well, what's the exact opposite of what they're saying? That maybe that's true. Maybe the exact opposite of what they're saying is true. So there's another model. So you got model A and you got model not A or model B, whatever you want to call it. You don't have to call it anything. It's just you isolate these as separate models. Okay. I don't think I've defined model yet. So I'm going to define model here. Model is a miniature representation of something. Okay. You think of like a model, model car, model, a model, uh, a toy, right? So it could be, you know, a little ship or it could be, you know, something, a scenario or, or a, you know, an idea, a miniature representation it doesn't have to be miniature because when it's abstract, it doesn't really have size, does it? So somebody gives you an idea, you can, you can have a model of that idea. You can isolate that. So let's go back to the definition here. It's a system of postulates, data, and inferences presented as a mathematical description of an entity or state of affairs. Well, that sounds hoity-toity. Um, it's an archetype. Well, we discussed archetypes and versus stereotypes in, in the, a previous video. So an archetype is like, you know, your model. <laughs> you know, it's what you think a chair, a chair. What is a chair? When you think of a chair in your mind, that is a model of a chair. So you can isolate that in your mind. You know, you can isolate the concept of a chair and you can isolate the concept of a table. Those are two different things in your mind. Those are two different models. Just like when the prime minister says something, you can isolate that as a model of what his side of the story is. And then when somebody else says something, you can keep that as a model it's easily to keep these things separate in your mind. We don't confuse chairs and tables in our mind, so we can easily separate models of different versions of what people are saying, and and hold that we don't know exactly. Like now, you and again with a chair, it's kind of a funny thing if you think about that. You know what a chair is, you know, or or, or think here maybe in terms of a of a soup. What is a what is soup? You have the concept of soup in your mind is a bowl of Cheerios soup. It's a bowl. It's liquid stuff floating in it because it's cold. Is it not soup? Or then is some of these, yet these Chinese soups that are cold, you know, are they not soups then? (laughs) And they got noodles. They got, right. So what is a soup then? So things start getting foggy near the edge. So you can have confidence that you know what a chair is. You can have a confidence. You can have confidence to know what it's, what soup is, but then it starts getting vague. And then it's the same. That's the thing with archetypes. It, you're always pushing the limits. So you could sort of redefine what an archetype is, or you could just sort of, you know, make a distinction there, but it, it's, it's never a hundred percent certain. It's always sort of, uh, at the, at the edges of your concepts of things, they become sort of fuzzy like a straw. How many holes does a straw have? You know, does a straw have two holes, one at the top, one at the bottom, or is it one long hole, one deep hole? You know, these, <laughs> you know, it's a, when you, your concept of, you know, of, of what things are, your archetypes. Okay. I'm going back to my definition. I got sidetracked there. Um, a, uh, a model 
is a description or an analogy used to help visualize something that cannot be directly observed. Okay, that's probably the closest definition of what we're, what we're doing. So it's a description or an analogy. Well, an analogy, well, it's, it's used to help visualize something that cannot be directly observed. So, well, this is, we're more abstract. We're using it for models in terms of ideas like, uh, yeah. So it's a, as a verb, it's to produce a representation or simulation to model something. Okay. Uh, to design or imitate forms to make a pattern. Okay. You made a model of, okay, whatever. So, Often in decision-making, we think, you know, is this X, you know, whatever somebody said, you saw, you read, whatever, is, is that true? You know, and, and the answer is typically yes or no. Is, is this true? Yes or no? Well, this question is a logical fallacy. You know, it's, it's called the either or, or the black and white fallacy, you know, where you're given only two choices, but there are other choices, you know, than these two, you know, that could be, I don't know or I don't know yet, but it doesn't matter. You don't know currently. So the answer, yes, no, or I don't know. And a lot of times you'll, people will give you these, you know, two choices when there's more than two choices, you know, like, uh, did, did something happen? You know, yes or no? Well, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of the times, you know, the, the, the questioning it, it's, it's anyways. So that's a logical fallacy. So what are the choices that we have other than yes or no? We have, I don't know, you know, stand by. This is a valid choice. And this is the choice we should probably be using most of the time. You know, if we don't know, what do we do? Well, we use models to help us visualize versions of the information. So going back to, you know, if you're, if your prime minister or your leader speaks, you know, that's one version or one model. You know, if you bother listen to the opposition, that, that that's a different model. And if you listen to the news and how they frame it, you know, that's possibly a third model. And if you listen to the independent press or, you know, other pundits, you know, there, there's a, yet another model and, and, and so on. You know, there'd be all different types of versions possibly of the same story. And these are all uh, external versions of the stories. So you think, well, external, well, well our brains are pretty powerful. And, and this is where you start putting them to use. So you, you hear the different versions. Don't think yes or no. Think, I don't know. I'm going to put this as a model. So the prime minister talks, is what he's saying true? Yes or no? I don't know. So you're going to go to the third model, right? So you're going to keep that model in your mind. You put all these, keep everything, all these separate things in your mind. And then you start thinking back and you can, this is where most, you know, I shouldn't say most, but this is where you have an opportunity to really start thinking about it. So you think, well, is, is the, what the opposite of what the prime minister is saying true or the, or the leader is the opposite of what the opposition saying true is the opposite of what the news saying true is the opposite of what the independent news or the other political pundits saying, is that true? You know, so you, that, that's a, that's a quick reflex. So whatever you hear, then you could always choose the opposites and then you could start thinking, well, what ifs, you know, maybe that, what if that, what if this, what if that you could make hundreds of different models about whatever scenario they're talking about. And that's fine. That's, that's, that's a good idea. So what happens after you create up all these, these models, you know, 
a lot of them, well, you know, most of them, if, especially if they're contradictory, they, they may, uh, they're going to be bogus. So you create a bunch of models and the next step is to hold those models up against the apparent facts that you know at the time. Again, these facts may not be 100% certain, but using your heuristics, the most likely true facts, the ones that make possibly the most sense or, or whatever you believe to be the most logical uh, facts. <laughs> Again, we can't know things for certain 100% going back to the earth going around the sun, right? So people believe certain things are 100%, but maybe they're not. So I'm going off on a tangent here. Um, so you hold your models up against all your facts and then you can filter out the models that fail against those facts. Maybe don't throw them out, but put them in a bin of less probable. And then you have the more probable ones that still hold up against the known facts of the time. After you, you put your models against the, uh, the known facts, you can filter your models against the logical fallacies. Is any, are any of these a logical fallacy? Now there's also a, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called the logical fallacy fallacy, where just because there is a logical fallacy being used, it doesn't mean that it's not true. <laughs> so this is just to add more uncertainty to our, our uh, thing. But what do we have? We don't have that many tools, right? So we use what we got. And so we have our logical fallacies. So we put up all our models against our logical fallacies, and that will make some less probable and some more probable, right? So now you're, you're weeding out your models now to fewer and fewer, and then you, you, you put them through the manipulation techniques. You think of all the different techniques people use to manipulate. Now, are these people using those techniques that you're aware of? And then you can filter out some models that way. And they, are they using propaganda techniques? So then you can filter out the models against those. And then after you've gone through those few simple steps, you'll have a model that, that makes the most sense, that's most plausible. Once you have a model that you think is probably the, the most the most plausible one, you know you know that this is only your best guess. It's it's not an irrefutable fact, but you know you're ready to make a decision. So you've made your decision, and it, it's on this scale between zero and a hundred. You know, and it's not going to be zero. It could be, but it's not going to be a hundred. Definitely. So it's somewhere in between. And you know, when you get uh, any new new information coming in, you throw it back into the loop. And you grind her all out again. You know, you compare it against the facts. You look for, you know, the logical fallacies, manipulation techniques, propaganda techniques, any other, you know, forms, any other filters you can come up with. And uh, and then you come up with the most likely scenario. Maybe you get new information and you realize that some of your old facts were in fact wrong. So they, uh, then that'll bring up some of your old models again that you dismissed because of your faulty facts. And now those ones are the, mo the most plausible thing, right? So this it's a... It's, uh, it's not a perfect way of, you know, reasoning, but it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, what we have. So it's the best defense we have against, you know, false information. You want, you want to be the most, I don't, I don't need to explain this. You know, you, you generally people want to be the most, have the most factual knowledge. You want to be, uh, you want to know stuff that's true. You don't want to believe stuff that's false and, you know, <laughs> make decisions on things that are wrong. You know, that's, uh, but people do, it's amazing. Like this, this stuff here, what I'm saying, you know, people say, well, yeah, it's common sense. It's common sense. Yeah, it is common sense, but go out and talk to have a conversation with somebody and you're like, holy shit, 
you know, people you talk to are fucking idiots. You know, even you think about yourself doing stupid things. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, this is common sense, but people don't think, I mean, if they, if they just took a step back, tried not to be emotional, didn't jump to conclusions, you know what I mean? If, if, if they're just doing these things and, and, you know, accepted that they could be wrong. I mean, holy shit, the world would be a much better place. You know, you go on social media, you go on Twitter. That's just, uh, you know, people screaming at each other and just throwing, I, I think a lot of those people are paid just to be insightful, uh, you know, just conflict. I don't know who's benefiting from the conflict. Well, I, I could go, I have theories, I have models <laughs> about who, who's benefiting from the conflict, especially society-wise, right? It would be somebody who wants to change your society. could be from within, it could be a cancer, or it could be from without. Yeah, so so going back to the, the chart here, you know that your best guess, it's not an irrefutable fact. It's just a guess. And uh, when you get new information, you throw it back in the loop. And uh, so you may have to force yourself to not jump to conclusions. You know, it might take some energy to not jump to conclusions. And, and you're aware of it. If you're jumping to conclusion, I mean, it doesn't take much energy to think, well, I think this, and then you're like, well, okay, why do I think that? Am I just jumping to a conclusion? You know, always ask yourself, you know, am I right? I could be wrong. And then once you start thinking I could be wrong, you're thinking, well, why am I thinking that? I'm thinking that because I'm jumping to a conclusion. What am I basing that on? Am I basing that on anything? I'm basing it on emotional, you know, fe- uh, feeling that, you know, I want to believe it. So therefore I'm going to believe it. Well, okay. Well, why is that? Is, is, okay. Is, is this true? What, what evidence do I have supporting it? What evidence do I have against it? Is there, you know, okay, well, hold on a sec. Maybe I'm wrong. If this person's telling me something and I don't want to believe it, does that mean it's not true? No. So maybe I should listen to them and assess it. And does it mean what they're saying is true? It could be manipulation. It could be total bogus, but I'm going to listen. And I'm going to, I'm going to have the confidence to know that maybe, uh, you know, it's bogus, you know, cause we're getting, we're fed so much disinformation and, and misinformation all the time, you know, and, you know, you need to have the skills to be able to to uh, to, to uh, swim through the cascade. And if, you know, there's, there's people who want to silence people they disagree with. And that is the biggest mistake because, you know, if you agree with everything you hear, then you are a sheep. You are, you know, I mean, we need... We need to listen more to people that we disagree with. That is, and then you can, you, you start building up your confidence to think, okay, and, and, and pick out, maybe they're saying something that's valid. Maybe they're saying stuff that's not valid. Okay. That's a different perspective that I didn't think about before. That's interesting. Or maybe, yeah, I've heard that perspective before. I've looked into that and what they're saying is bogus. So, you know, but still maybe there's, there's a glint of something new in there. Maybe you don't want to waste your time, you know, but it, it's, it's important to listen to dissenting voices. It's important to listen to people who disagree with you. Now, if they're just saying the same old trope or they're just trying to troll you, you know, or, or just trying to incite, you know, emotions out of you, you know, then, you know, and you would just dismiss it, right? Whatever. But it's, it's important to hear voices of opposition. Like that's why governments are built with, uh, well, it's the parliamentary system is built with, you know, the, the government, and then you have the official opposition and the job of the official opposition is to try to call out the wrongdoings of the government. Now, and I'm in Canada and our opposition isn't doing anything. Now our prime minister is so corrupt 
and he's there's there's in Canada there's a few parties there's the the Liberal Party, which I used to be a member of. It's 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 so it's so horrible now. It's so far gone, and and he's so corrupt with uh, these different scandals, the wee scandals. And the Conservative Party is trying to well, apparently they're not very effective at their job, but they're trying to they don't have enough seats, so they're trying to you know, call him out for investigating and the, and the, and the prime minister's trying to block investigations into his wrongdoings. And there's this even more corrupt party called the new democratic party. They're further over. So some, some shenanigans must've happened there where the, and even the greens, the NDP and the greens, the far left crazies are supporting and propping up the corrupt establishment of the liberal party. So, like, I'm not saying I'm pro-conservative, but the conservatives aren't doing their job, but that's because the, the liberals have conspired somehow with the other far leftists to block investigations into their corruption. Oh, it's crazy. That's an aside. But anyways, the, the government's supposed to set up so you have an opposition. It's supposed to be like sort of like a large mind, a large scale mind where you have you know, a a voice, a model, you know, saying, trying to push this argument or a bill or whatever, you know, this is something we're trying. And then the opposition is supposed to find flaws in it. Just like in in a court, when you, when you have a lawyer, a defense and, you know, the prosecutor. So the ones arguing, even doesn't matter what they believe, the one's supposed to argue, you know, this person's guilty. This is all the evidence. We're trying to argue that this person's guilty. And the other person doesn't matter what they believe. They're supposed to argue the opposite. You know, all the all the ways we could try to prove that this guy's innocent, right? So that's the thing. You're supposed to have conflicting. They're not supposed to be holding hands in, in kumbaya. You're supposed to have, you know, opposition. You're supposed to have opposite ways of thinking, dissenting voices. And the reason why governments and the courts are set up like this is because ultimately it is set up with the intention of trying to get to the truth, the best answer, the best laws, what's best for society, what's best for us. This is, you know, made by us. These are, these are groups that are made by us. Now today you could say they're so far gone and they're so corrupt, which they probably are. And, you know, in certain situations, the system generally is working, but there are people who are trying to put to bring it down, and uh, anyways, this, this is beyond the scope of what I'm talking about here. But so it's a good way of. I mean, it's it's not the best way. I can't think of a better way. But it's 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 the best we have. The the way of thinking in terms of dissenting voices, and and we can have dissenting voices in our mind. So we can think, okay, pros and cons. It's just like it's the same thing over and over and over again. You know. What's, you know, what are the pros to this? What are the cons to that? So you don't want to hear just somebody to say, what are the pros to buying a, a new motorbike? You know, then you'll go buy it. You know, <laughs> you, you might want to hear the cons. What's the cons that, oh, insurance is going to cost you more than what the motorbike cost. Wow. I didn't think of that. Or what are the other cons? Yeah. There's a lot of crazy drivers out there who don't even have licenses and they're going to wipe you out, man. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's a bit of a con. There's a lot of cons, you know, so you need to think of both sides. And there might be more than two sides. This is, again, the either or fallacy. It might not just be two sides. It might be multidimensional. It might be all different types of things you can think of, right? But generally speaking, you want to hear voices of dissent. You want to hear, and you can hear other options, right? So maybe that's another sort of, when I want to talk about dimensions. There might be other options instead of A or B. You know, A is this, and then what are the, the pros and cons to that? Well, maybe there's another option. Maybe we could try B, or maybe we could try C. What are the pros and cons of these? So there's other dimensions to your thinking as well, but. So don't get hung up on the, the one thing, but, oh, my throat is so dry. Okay. So, you know, obviously we can't do this level of thinking for every 
new bit of information that we get. You know, we don't have infinite time and, uh, and we know this. So we know that we're going to use our heuristics, our, our quick guesses for a lot of things in life. And, you know, that's probably the best way to do it, you know, for time, you know, efficiency, you know, assume that there isn't a hole under the carpet in your floor. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and it'll work for most of the time, but we need to know that when we're doing that, we're making assumptions and our assumptions can be wrong, right? So we got to knock back our certainty on what we know, right? And so before we speak or, or argue or make up our minds on a subject, we should, you know, at the least consciously, you know, go through the process of, you know, the models and try to filter it through known facts. Is there any evidence to the contrary? Is there evidence to support this? You know, does it seem like it's a logical fallacy? You know, is there manipulation techniques, propaganda techniques? You know, is there, is there any kind of deception that I can discern from this? You know, you know, and when you start doing that, then you start analyzing it and then, well, it's to the best of your ability. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, best of your ability is best guess. And, it, and ultimately, even after you do that, it's still just your best guess. You're not going to be certain. You're not going to know a hundred percent, but it's your best guess. And so know that. And so when you get into an argument with somebody, there's no real point in arguing unless you're giving them information and it doesn't need to be emotional. In fact, if it does get emotional, there's no point because, you know, you or they, or both of you have slipped out of your Spock mode and you're allowing your emotions to take over. Now, not to say that there isn't time where you might be, uh, you know, some seedy end of town. You might need your emotions, you know, to fight off the thugs or whatever. I don't know, but we, uh, we know, we now know, like we know we're not going to be certain about things. So just think of that next time you start getting into, or if, if you're tempted to get into an argument with somebody, especially if you think you're an expert <laughs> and you're wrong, like that is so many people I've talked to who, you know, it's, it's, it's embarrassing, right? So try to uh, put your mind in manual mode as, as, as much as you can and don't go in automatic mode. And uh, once you've made up your mind on something, know that your mind, it's still not certain. You know, yeah, I've made up my mind. This is the decision I'm going to make and it's the best decision I could make at the time. So you could be fairly confident in you knowing you've analyzed the pros and cons. It may not be the best decision, but from all the information you've had at the time, that was the best decision you could make. So go forward, right? Uh, same with, with um, judging whether something's true or not. You may never know if something was true or not, but you could always think, well, Based on all the information that I have, it's probably true, but it may not be. I'll, I'll keep that that little that little bit alive. You know what I mean? So I don't. Know, the courts, you know, have this beyond a reasonable doubt. All this stuff is very vague and gray. You know, the courts aren't as uh, definitive as science. You know, the courts are more about today. I think about hanging something around somebody's neck. Can we make it stick? You know, I don't think the Maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't make too many assumptions here, but I mean, I have a, uh, a guess that, uh, you know, maybe the police are just want to hang if there was a murder, they may not care if the person actually did it or not. 
that they've arrested. They just might want it to stick to that person. So publicly it looks like they've done something. They found their man, you know, maybe they don't care if the guy did it, or maybe the police are so small minded. They don't, they just don't care. There's like, yeah, that guy looks like he did it. He did it. I, I, I believe he did it. So therefore he did it. You know, the, <laughs> and maybe they fool themselves into believing that they, in their minds, the person did it. And if they're innocent, you know, and the courts may not care if the person did it. If there's evidence that you could sort of make an argument that the person looks like they did it, that's good enough for the courts because generally in society, if a few innocent people get locked up, it doesn't matter so long as the public feels that there's safety and people aren't getting away with murders because we don't want people going around murdering people knowing they can get away with it. So I think that might be sort of the bigger picture. I don't know. I could be wrong, of course, but, uh, that's about it for, uh, for this video. My throat is really dry, but I, uh, I, the, just the news and everything lately has been bothering me. So just think about, you know, if people talk about the deep state, oh, there's no such thing as a deep state. Well, I used to work in the government. I used to work in a, in a, in a branch of the government that was not elected and we were there and that typical, that, that is, you know, bureaucracy that is not elected that stays, you know, administration after or government after government. That is the definition of deep state. Now people will say, oh, it's a conspiracy. That's not a conspiracy theory. You know, there are <laughs> branches of the government, people in the military, you know, in a high up, like they, they are there, you know, year after year, you know, government after government. And people would say, well, it's not, you know, that's, you know, it doesn't exist. Well, it does exist. It's not a conspiracy theory. There are fucking people that work in the government that are not elected. They're bureaucrats. There's all different types of levels of stuff. And they're anyways. So you can, when people argue against the, the deep state, well, okay, you don't want to use the word deep state. We could use establishment. Now establishment means, you know, beyond the government, you know, it's the, uh, the lobbyists and, you know, uh, influencers behind the scenes, uh, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the corporate world, people that have the ears of, you know, different branches of government and stuff. Anyway, so what are these people, not just government, but, you know, all, I don't want to go down this, but what are the people, these, the, the establishment here, what do they fear? And, uh, well, they, I think they fear loss of control and they feel loss of control if, if people can speak up against them. And, and there, and if people are united, like the little simpletons, the, the, the Johnny Q public guys, if they can think for themselves and they can organize, you know, that is the biggest fear of the establishment. So the, the establishment also fears decentralized control. They're all about somebody must be in control. We have to be in control. We can't have a decentralized system. You know, it has to be centralized control. You know, that's. That's one thing that I think the the Islamic, uh, what were they called? Whatever, one of those factions, they had uh, decentralized control. They didn't have a single point. Well, at least that's what they were, we were told. So there was no, it was really hard to go after a decentralized terrorist group because they didn't have a head. You, 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 you kill one, it's, it, it was multiple, you know, so that's, that's actually a logical, a really good uh, way of going. And that's what I think. I don't think terrorism, I'm anti-terrorism, of course, I'm anti, but I mean, the, the model of decentralization is, I'm going to make a video on that. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, global globalists want centralized control and, uh, they want a divided people. It's, it's easier to control the divided people. Cause then if you try to control a massive crowd and they're united, 
well, you don't have a hope in hell to control this crowd. But if they're divided, if they're especially if you can make them fight amongst each other, it's the old stories. These stories have been going around for thousands of years, from ancient Greece and Rome, and you know the the uh, what's his face Machi, Machiavellian. What's his name? Uh, that stupid little the prince. That little book. Anyways, he talked about that as well. You know, divide and conquer. You know, divide and conquer, it's safer to get the people to fight amongst themselves. And you see this in our society. It's been going on now. Now, I don't want to extrapolate on who I think is doing it, but so when it comes to divide and conquer, I mean, in our society, you see it today, and it's these, uh, this, this seems to be a united movement to try to divide people by gender, divide people by race, divide people by religion. It's all about dividing people. Now, who wants to divide somebody? People want to divide you to take control. They don't want a united people. And this is uh, this is something we should be watching for and we should be fighting against. And the news media is all over dividing people. White officer kills black man. Yeah, that, that's a fact. There was a white officer that killed a black man. The black man was a criminal. He, he had just raped somebody and he was going for a weapon. Was the officer justified? Yeah, but the, the news is whipping up racial divide. Why are they ra- whipping up racial divide? Well, they want people divided. They want people divided by skin color. They want people divided by language or ethnicity. They want people divided by whatever, any, any gender, uh, sexual preference. <laughs> they want people divided. It's all about, and if you watch the news, it's so much about division. Anyways, that's, uh, these, these age old tactics seem to work and they're being used by somebody. I don't know who I could guess, but, uh, Somebody is trying to divide the people and trying to get people into the streets and riot for the past, you know, before Corona, it was just case after case after case before the facts are all in, let's get the people whipped up and try to get, they're playing on, especially minorities, racism against white people. You know, you're oppressed. You, uh, you don't have as much as that person with that Ferrari. doesn't matter that the majority of the population doesn't have Ferraris, you know, but if you see some rich white dude, you don't have that because, you know, there's racism against you. You know, I'm the, my father was a refugee to this country. Uh, they were running from the communists and uh, they didn't have anything. So what, what, did, what did we get? What did my family get? You know, nothing. My grandfather and my father, you know, they had to work for everything we got, you know? There was no handouts. There was no privilege. They're saying, oh, you know, uh, minorities are discriminating. No, they're not. <laughs> what? What? Anyways, uh, yeah, that's it for now. So 